This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. I'm excited about Christmas time in March. You know, about all the different things. What we think about, how we, how we approach it as I'm praying, how I feel it, how we do God will help us uh, this December uh, in this series that we're about to do. We're starting today. Um, in the days of, uh, of the baby boomer generation, I look around and I see a bunch of boomers. Uh, I think there were the percentage was higher of boomers in the last gathering. Uh, and uh, it is 11, they like to get up early and, uh, these days. But in the days of the baby boomer generation, when I grew up in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, most families had connections. Most families had connections of some kind in some sort of church. The Catholic kids went to catechism. The Protestant kids went to Sunday school. And from those, we, we learned what we believed. We learned what truths and things like the Bible. Uh, we learned about Jesus. That was pretty much everybody back in those days. Everybody understood and believed to some regard who Jesus, who he is, and why he came. Uh, certainly not everybody did, but a lot of folks, I'm sure did most folks. Uh, 50 years ago, most of us knew, even if we didn't celebrate, Christmas and as Jesus' birthday, most of us celebrated, and maybe not most of us went, for example, this Christmas and Christmas Day, for example, watching Christmas Day, as it goes with the ding, 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 and then see how it was celebrated back in the 50s. Um, we, we knew that Christmas was somehow associated with Jesus' birthday. I'm old enough, and some of you would say, and I would say, me too. I'm old enough to remember when at school, while at school, we would sing at the Christmas time, their Christmas, you know, play or whatever it is that we would do at school. We would sing Christmas carols that mentioned Jesus at school, and that was okay. But now, here we are, you know, 50 years later, most of the world, even here in these United States, where you're we were fortunate and blessed that this is the first 200 years of our history we claim to be a, a Christian nation. But I think that most of the world and most of our population really doesn't understand Jesus. It's last stats I saw. It's been several years ago. I don't think it's improved at all. Um, in the years since I saw it, honestly, maybe 10 years ago now, I saw this uh, statistic. Uh, it said that Bear County here, the county in which we live, 35,000 people here in Bear County, but almost 35,000, only 5% regularly attend church in here. Why not only? So it should be no surprise in 2018, almost 2019. It shouldn't be any surprise that Jesus in our culture, in our society, for the most part, gets left out of his own birthday party. Uh, this year's series that we're starting today, uh, the Christmas series, is going to show us that Jesus, that Jesus of the Scripture, uh, was and is far more than a story about a manger and shepherds and angels and silent night. We'll see that that was not historically true, like when you're down in chapter 1 of 
that the most important thing that was not is to do. So what I want to do today is for Sunday, I'm going to do this for four Sundays, and then the fifth Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, I'm going to back up just a little bit in Colossians, and let you go through the Bible in Colossians 1 and Bible. Today I want to introduce you to once again my first reading this passage from the book of Colossians that says so very much about Christ. And let me say this to you. This, these verses, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, if you can get these verses down in your heart, in your mind, you understand that this is who Jesus is. You get these verses down and you allow God to teach you from them. Just who Jesus is, I think this will make this Christmas for you the very best Christmas ever. Because deep down inside, all of us, all of us in this room, and a, a good number of people who are not inside this room but surround us every day in our lives, I think deep down inside, we know that Christmas is more than giving gifts. We know that it's more than singing carols and decorating the tree. It's even more than gathering with family. All those things are great. But deep down inside, we have more to it than this. It's deeper than that. So, and since it seems that the, the farther away we get from that night in Bethlehem, it seems that easier that we can come to Jesus out and want to take a look at him and remind us all to. Now, I, I want you to know I'm no Grinch, and I'm really not a Scrooge. Um, I'm not opposed to giving gifts at Christmas. In, in fact, Gail bought my Christmas present on a really good deal Black Friday evening. She found out Walmart opened at 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving Day. And so at 5.55, she was at the door with a couple other family members there. And they were there to grab the deal. And she bought my Christmas present. In fact, the Marty got me already. She didn't wrap it up. I said, don't do that. It gets hard on me. Bought my Christmas present. Really good deal. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think you have to be super serious about really going to Walmart on Thanksgiving. You, you, you will not find me on, on going out on Black Friday. I just avoid it. I mean, shopping is not my, my, my idea of having a good time. And so, she did, and she got a really good deal on that, and, and, and you know, and then here's, but here's the thing. She bought me this, this, this new gift, and so I wanted to buy an accessory that went along with it, so I went online and I ordered that accessory, and then on, did, did you realize that you have Black Friday on Friday, and then the following Monday, you have Cyber Monday, and on Cyber Monday, they even give you better deals than they did on the review. And when she said, did you order your thing already? I said, yeah. She said, oh, you should have waited until Monday. Yeah. Now, Saturday night, I've been on the tender and back to Sunday. You know, Sunday, Saturday night, I'm tending in town. Valentine's Day, holiday party. And I call it Christmas party. I'm not going to lie. So Friday morning, the entire party fell apart.
Jesus was the visible image of God who was invisible. Didn't Jesus said to the woman at the well, John chapter 4, as they're talking about worshiping. And Jesus said, you got to worship God in spirit and truth. And he said, God is a spirit. You can't see spirit. But there he was standing in front of her, the visible representation of God. He came to represent God. He is fully God, the scripture tells us. He's not. And some people maybe think of Jesus this way, and it's a wrong way to think of Jesus. Jesus is not the JV. God the Father is the varsity. You know what I mean? Jesus is not the second string to come into the game. Jesus is fully God, completely God. We'll talk about that next Sunday. In relation to the universe, Jesus is over it all. He's over all of the universe. He is, I mean, he's. He is in this universe. He is superior to everyone and everything. What's in the galaxies, what's here on Earth, again, what we can see and what we cannot see, he is over it all. And Paul says, and here's the reason why. It's because Jesus is the creator. He's the creator. He's the one that spoke the world into existence, the universe into existence. He is the creator. And he says he holds it all together. Jesus over all the universe. Number three, in relation to the church, Jesus is our head. He's our head. He is our Lord. If we were to create, maybe we could find could have done that, maybe we will when we get there. Create a, a flow chart. Everybody understand a flow chart that, that, that shows how something is organized, a company, a business, whatever it might be. A flow chart. If we had a flow chart of Nagstead Church, because it says he's the head of the church, which means Nagstead Church. If we did a flow chart and showed you, know, we have the elders and we have the, the ministry team leaders and the connection group leaders, we have the congregation. It's all on there at the very top of the sheet, at the very top. There'd be one box with one person on it. His name is Jesus over everything. Jesus is the head of the church, the Lord of the church, which means this: the church is. Is not mine. Some people I, I chuckle and sometimes there are people that are partners in this church will come in and they want to know if they could if they could do something maybe in the building here at, at this event or online or something or whatever. And they'll call me up and say, um, is it okay if, if we use your church for this or that? And I'll, I'll, I'll smile and I'll chuckle and say, what do you mean it's my church? And I'll say to them, it's our church. And I'm, I'm going to correct that. I'm not going to say that anymore. Because I'm being corrected by scripture. I will say when people say something about my church, I will say, no, 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 not my church, his church. It's Jesus' church. He is the head of the church. And again, when we speak of church, we're not talking about buildings, we're not talking about property, we're talking about what? People. Those of us who belong to the church. He is the head of the church. And then number four, this passage says, and here, here's how he relates to you. You know, we have a future name here. Here's how he relates to you. Here's how he relates to us. In relation to us, Jesus has made the way for you and me to be reconciled to God. And Paul says, in peace, knowing where the, where the parties are, are at odds. And there, as Paul used the word in Romans chapter 5, enemies with God, talking about the enemy before the Pentecost. 
when we are honest with God, there is no peace. There's war. There's conflict. And he says, Jesus has been, has brought you and I to God so that there is peace between God and us. And so that that peace was accomplished by his blood on the cross. So on Christmas Eve, when we have two Christmas Eve gatherings, we're there to celebrate communion as a ministry to have the peace, to have the, the Prince of Peace. We need to bring peace between us and God and we say it's awesome. Think so much about the manger and the baby lying in the manger and so forth and the angels and the shepherds and, and well, we get to realize that the purpose of God is to bring us to his place on the cross and then he sang so well about that a little bit ago. So as Paul writes, I read this passage of scripture and I'm trying to kind of place myself in that prison cell with Paul when he writes this is one of the things that this is what this and there I'm thinking Paul's writing these things as the Holy Spirit is, is inspiring him to put these words down. And I read these words and I said, this had to be super exciting for Paul to spell all this out. Not only for the Colossians, but for us. And I get the idea that Paul is writing this, and maybe you can see this too. Paul is writing to people and saying, Jesus, to describe Jesus, he's saying, listen, church, Jesus is the most important person ever. You get that? from it. He's the goat. You got that. So we're talking about the goat. He's the G-O-A-T. He is the greatest of all time. Jesus is. No one like him. Superior to all others. And yet these words that we read, these words have been in the Bible and these words have been in the hands of the church for almost 2,000 years. And this is not new stuff. Yes, some of us sitting back and thinking, and if this is you, then I'm excited and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled because somebody in this room might be thinking, you know what, I've learned more about Jesus in the last 10 minutes than I've learned about the rest of my life. I don't know who's all of this thing. How has he been left out? Things like this in the Bible, how has he been left out? How is he standing in the minds of people who have diminished from the supreme creator God of the What's the devil taken? Well, we need to die and maybe we need to live. How is he been left out? If you and I were to go out onto the street and do some interviews and simply ask people out and out about, where is Jesus? What that answer is going to be. You heard a lot of different things, opinions about who Jesus is. And the first guy says, Man, you probably just got some trouble. Because Jesus is controversial as well. You know, so what has stood out to me was the lady who, who corrected the question, you know, and said, Who is Jesus? And she said, Who was Jesus? He was a man who died and rose again. And somebody else said, Oh, Jesus is everything. He's, he's the wind and he's the earth. And, and he's Jesus, right? He turns and He's everything, you know, that, that's out there. It's all of Jesus. And, Jesus is love. Jesus is love. You're good. That's Jesus. And a lot of misconceptions are good about Jesus because pretty much for the most part, the radiant humanity is nothing on the guy that's everything else was imagination. Especially the woman that came in and said, I don't even think he existed. And, uh, I don't think he existed. And, uh, 
and some that has some idea of really doesn't work. Some of those were important. Interesting things from most gambling programs that this evolved in their mind. Somebody like your peers that may say, well, yeah, but that was there in kindergarten. And you say, hey, this is more, Rick. How can you judge them like that? And the answer is, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying, based upon this model, most of what you heard in the video is incorrect. It's wrong. But what about with Jesus in this? So that you can understand, you, you won't understand why he was born unless you understand who he is. And, and then you won't understand why we celebrate the judgment of the source. You have to ask those who witnessed his life. There are people who have found real things that we still have today. Those who knew them. And the great thing about those who did is that the fortunate thing for us is that they did write those things down and they have been preserved for all these centuries. So what we have here in, in this book is the source of what we know about Jesus. So if we're in our society, if we're missing Christ, we'll take time largely on missing Christ, how does that happen? One thing we'll see clearly from this work, this book, and this passage in Colossians and other places as well is that Jesus is God. He is God. And since he's God, God has an adversary. Our world, known as Satan or the devil, and as God's enemy, Satan's objective has always been to confuse us, to blind us to the spiritual realities of who Jesus is. And so Satan has been busy creating, for thousands of years, confusion again. Let's create confusion. One way he does is through false teachers. False teachers, false meaning incorrect, wrong teachers. I have probably do as well. If you're in our ranks, if you want to watch TV, glance some way to, to get the signal out of direct TV and then ask anyone direct TV, you know, they sell it to you and say, hey, you can have one of these big cameras. And then the realistic thing in my life, I probably watch maybe a half a dozen different ones. And if I can have some leverage, I'm doing that. If I can have that, you know, watch some sports, I'm good with that. And most importantly, here's the channel that I watch a lot on Direct TV. It's Channel 9364. And the Inspiration Channel. And I watch the Inspiration Channel, especially on Saturdays. Because Saturdays on the Inspiration Channel is Wild West Saturday. So I can watch Facebook several, several times. I can watch Brandon. I can watch. The Big Valley, The High Chaparral. Those all those programs, those westerns are on there on Saturday. And it's great for them because we can go show them what's convenient. Last weekend I said, Yeah, sit down Saturday night and you want to watch this movie you can quickly download it. On Saturday. I told you about the elevator. Fascination with that guy. Um, yeah, yeah, she's not alone. Um, but, if, but if I get up early on Sunday morning, I'm sitting there in the kitchen and I'm eating my bowl of cereal and I'll turn on the 364 the inspiration channel before I think 9 o'clock and I show the Westerns. They got, they, they got this guy that comes on here and I'll do this every now and then. I'll turn it on and I'll watch him. 
is, is a preacher. I guess they should have submitted this program to my children. He's a preacher who is typically telling his congregation that he and his wife is that the one thing God is most interested in in your life is your financial wealth. And so the logical conclusion from what I've heard him say, maybe I have to confront the logic again with others like him, is that Jesus came to earth to make us all rich. And good people lead to some Christian people, probably some people in the United States Church, get suckered into that kind of thinking, that false doctrine that makes up Jesus a lie. And Julian Barlow said it is only fullness. By the way, it's not hard to think of it now because the way we get rich, according to their doctrine and preaching, is to send them what they call some seed money. If you send me 50, you'll get 500 back. And you can argue flashing red light and say, oh no, that's not the Jesus of the Bible that they're preaching. Others are on TV false teachers, and they'll come knocking at your door, hoping to cure your soul and lead that involvement. Jesus talked about false teachers. He said in Matthew chapter 7, Beware false teachers, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, and inwardly are ravaging wolves. We have ravaging wolves for a moment. If you ever watch any of the major shows on TV where they show a show about the wolves and how they're going to survive, it's fascinating stuff. Especially if you run out in the woods yourself and you don't really understand it, but you watch that pack of wolves and how they'll chase. They can chase a herd of buffalo when they have young in the buffalo herd, and they're going to try to separate the big ones from the little ones so they can attack the little ones. Have you ever seen them, a lion in the, in the African uh, wilderness there, and going after an elk or something? Some of those kind of animals, when they bring them down, they are ravaging them. They start eating. You know, they, I mean, I don't want to gross anybody out. They, uh, they don't package the, load the thing up into their Jeep or their truck and take it to the butcher and say, here you go. Uh, would you butcher this up for me? I'd like some ground, you know, venison here and I'd like some sausage here and, and so forth and so on. They don't do that. They ravage that animal. They rip it apart. What did Jesus say about false prophets and false wolves? Sheep's clothing. Meaning they're really wolves, but they want to look like sheep, so not to scare us away. They come to us in sheep's clothing, but really they're ravaging wolves. And so you recognize them all the time by their fruit, Jesus said. And they won't eat them. They're the fruit of a prophet. A prophet is, the word prophet is to be someone who claims to speak for God. The fruit of a prophet are the words that that prophet says. That's his fruit. So you recognize them by their words. They claim to speak for God. And so you have to ask the questions. Do their words match up with the Bible? Or do their words twist the Bible? Do his words call people to see Christ, the Christian life, as one of following Christ? Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. He said, the birds of the air have nests and the foxes in the, in the woods have dens, but the Son of God doesn't even have a place to lay his head. It doesn't sound like prosperity to me, does it to you? Are they calling us to follow Christ, or is this simply saying the big thing God wants in your life is for you to see glorified glory into our personal life with Him? 
look at the results of their lives. A lot of people tell. And you can see where you can see this purpose is the result. And you can fly around in there on multiple mansions in different places around the world. False teachers create confusion in what comes forth. They create confusion because they speak with authority. And they quote scripture. Here's the deal that, that's so frightening with false teachers is that they will stand in front of a TV camera, maybe in your church, maybe in my studio, and they'll stand to see in front of the TV camera and they will hold the Bible just like I'm doing right now. And they will say, This is what God's word says. They'll speak with authority, they'll quote scripture, but somewhere along the line they have distorted what it really says. People who are new to the faith, folks who maybe believe but have never really walked with Christ and haven't had time to study the Word, for them the thought of becoming rich, that, that can be an enticing thing. Yeah. What's the odds of going home as well as the rich in your home lots of money? A few weeks ago on the the mega millions lotto is over a billion dollars. I don't confess. More than one time I thought, what would I do if I had a million dollars? Now I'm not asking you, I'm sure the millions have been talked about mind-blowing money, you know, it's, it's that materialistic. But I thought, with a billion dollars, what would I do? Even if they say after taxes, you only get 600 billion. Okay, I can deal with that. What would I do with all of that? But I, I thought about that, you know, and that's very enticing. And I'll confess this to you as well as the second one you may know. Get a gallon of milk. And the lady that was in line in front of me, I don't know if you pay for her, but there's two things when she was buying me, she asked me a couple of things off of that ticket and one of that ticket. You're only up a buck a piece. You owe me some dollars. Go ahead. Go for it. Maybe God wants you to be filthy rich, right? Yeah, it's enticing. I just I want you to know I didn't buy a ticket that time. Uh, I didn't. The thought of becoming rich, because maybe that's what God wants in my life, is very enticing. Paul wrote about false teachers in 2 Timothy. Chapter 4, those verses 3 and 4, well-known things in regards to those of the time will come when they will not gain the dust. The time will come when they, the church, will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they'll accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itch to know something new. Well, what do I do? God wants you to be rich. Oh, I like that. Itch to hear something new, and they will turn away from hearing the truth and turn aside to myths. Peter warned the churches around him in 2 Peter chapter 2 and said, There will be false teachers among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Similar idea to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 destructive heresies. Even denying the master who bought them, and they bring swift destruction upon themselves and many will follow their own extreme ways and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed and this is because of the 
believe in some things that we feel told about the truth of hope and all the hope is that we're here for pain and hope that capture, maybe recapture the life of the cross. Our goal for this series is for all of us to learn to even know Christ for who he is, as he is represented to us and as he's presented to us in the scriptures. And for those of us who already know him that way, welcome to That's my opportunity to learn more of him. And for those part of our community who know the family, that you might know what's up there. The Son from our church, Lord Christmas and Jesus. And this is just my opportunity to invite my church friends and family members to come and see who Jesus is. And have these cards up on the wall and around the door and have encouragement there outside the door for us to invite people. Hey, this is this month of Christmas. I'm going to go through a lot of stuff about Christmas is all about Lord Jesus. And invite your friends to come with you and worship him on Christmas Eve with us. Another great welcome to Lord and Lord Jesus. What do you mind if you have a question I believe you with this question? The question is, have I left Jesus out? Have I left Jesus out? Because Jesus matters and it really doesn't matter that we celebrate his birth on December 25th, especially since nobody really knows the day he was born. But what matters is that we're deeply dear to him and we honor him. And that he is first place in all things, including in our lives and our families and our celebration. And we'll do that for the rest of the series. Have I left Jesus? This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world. 